1: Welcome to Beauty Unlock's December Creepmas Episodes where I'll be bringing you all manner of urban legends, creepy pasta, and ghost stories. Make sure to lock all your doors, settle down with your hot chocolate, and listen to tales that will surely send a shiver down your spine. Keep this in mind. I'm not here to coddle you, but to scare. I've warned you before, danger doesn't lurk at every corner. It's just hanging out, waiting for fear and horror to show up. Welcome, friends, to Beauty Unlock's December Creepmas Episodes. I would like to thank you for tuning in, and I truly hope you enjoyed listening to these urban legends, creepypasta, and ghost stories. All right, my jelly babies, it's time to settle down with your hot chocolate. For tonight, your Auntie Carissa brings to you the final tale of our Creepmas series. A story written by- Well, that took an unexpected turn. Let's start over again, shall we? After experiencing major technical difficulties, coupled by the fact that halfway through the story I wasn't into it, I, Carissa, decided to scour once again the internet. After reading hundreds of urban legends, creepy pasta, local lore, legends, myths, and ghost stories from around the world, I got, dare I say, confuculated. If you're an avid listener of Beauty Unlocked, then you know that I get confuculated quite often. I go down several rabbit holes and find myself in the midst of tons of tabs left open and no clue where the music is coming from. But that's enough about the shenanigans and fuckery that is my life. I promised you a final Creepmas episode, and that's what I'm bringing to you, my jelly babies. Tonight, I'm bringing you a terrifying true story that happened on May the thirty-first, two thousand and fourteen. You might have heard of it. It's called the Slender Man stabbing. Listener's discretion
0: is advised.
1: On May the 31st, 2014, in Wakesha, Wisconsin, two 12-year-old girls lured their best friend Peyton Lautner into the woods and stabbed her. In an attempt to become proxies of the fictional character Slenderman. But before we go into the horrific and gruesome details, let's find out who or what Slenderman is. The Slender Man was created on june tenth, two thousand and nine, on a thread in the Something Awful Internet Forum. The thread was a Photoshop contest in which users were challenged to create paranormal images. Forum poster Eric Knudsen, under the pseudonym Victor Serge, contributed two black and white images of groups of children to which he added a tall, thin spectral figure wearing a black suit. Although previous entries had consisted solely of photographs, Serge supplemented his submission with snatches of text, supposedly from witnesses describing the abductions of the group of children and giving the character the name The Slender Man. Slender Man soon went viral, spawning numerous works of fan art, cosplay and online fiction known as Creepypasta that spread from site to site. Divorced from its original creator, The Slender Man became the subject of stories by multiple authors within an overarching mythos. Because Slenderman's fictional mythology has evolved without an official canon for reference, his appearance, motives, habits, and abilities are not fixed but change depending on the storyteller. He is most commonly described as very tall and thin with unnaturally long, tentacle-like arms, or merely tentacles, which he can extend to intimidate or capture prey. In most stories, his face is white and featureless, but occasionally his face appears differently to anyone who sees it. He appears to be wearing a dark suit and tie. Slender Man is often associated with the forest and or abandoned locations and has the ability to teleport. Proximity to the Slender Man is often said to trigger a slender sickness, a rapid onset of paranoia, nightmares and delusions accompanied by nosebleeds. Early stories featured him targeting children or young adults. Some featured young adults driven insane or to act on his behalf, while others did not. And others claimed that investigating the Slender Man would draw attention. The web series Marble Hornets established the idea of proxies, humans who fall under the Slender Man's influence. Though initially they were simply violently insane rather than puppets of the Slender Man. Marble Hornets also introduced the idea that the Slender Man could interfere with video and audio recordings, as well as the Slender Man symbol, which became a common trope of slender fiction. Graphic violence and body horror are uncommon in the Slender Man mythos, with many narratives choosing to leave the fate of his victims obscure. The victim, Peyton Lautner, and the perpetrators, Anissa Wire and Morgan Gaser, were all 12 years old at the time of the stabbing, and were classmates enrolled in the same school. The school's principal later confirmed that neither Wire nor Gaser had any prior disciplinary issues, and had been at a sleepover together the night before the stabbing. The attackers had discovered Slenderman on the Creepypasta Wiki, They later said they had believed Slenderman to be real and had wanted to demonstrate their loyalty to him so they could become his proxies, live in his mansion, prove his existence and prevent him from harming their families. They believed that the only way to do this would be to kill someone, after which they would become servants of the Slenderman and live in his mansion, which they thought was located in Chiquamagon Nicolette National Forest. Gazer explained during police interviews that she had seen and heard hallucinations of ghosts since the age of three, and was certain that Slender had demanded she kill her best friend to save the lives of her own family. The attack. Wire and Gazer's initial plan was to attack Lautner on the night of May 30th, 2014. By taping her mouth shut, stabbing her in the neck and fleeing. They did not attack her that night, as the two were said to be too tired or too groggy. Geyser was reported to have said, let her have another morning. A second plan called for stabbing Lautner in a bathroom at a local park, choosing the location for the fact that the bathroom had drains for Lautner's blood. The actual attack took place in a nearby forest, Davids Park, during a game of hide and seek on May 31, 2014. Lautner was pinned down and stabbed 19 times in the arms, legs and torso with a kitchen knife with a five inch long blade or 13 centimeters. Two of the wounds were to major organs. One missed a major artery of her heart by less than a millimeter and another went through her diaphragm Cutting into her liver and stomach, Wire and Gazer told Lautner they would find help, but they did not get any upon leaving. Afterwards, Lautner dragged herself to a nearby road, where she was found by a cyclist. The cyclist called 911 when he saw her. Wire and Gazer were apprehended near Interstate 94 at Steinheffel's Furniture Store. The knife used in the stabbing was in a bag they carried. While Gazer felt no empathy, Wire was described as feeling guilty for stabbing the victim, but felt that the attack was needed to appease Slenderman. Lautner left the hospital seven days after the attack. She returned to school in September 2014. In 2017, Weir pleaded guilty to being a party to attempted second-degree homicide. A jury then found her not guilty by mental disease or defect. Gazer accepted a plea offer under which she would not go to trial and would be evaluated by psychiatrists to determine how long she should be placed in a mental hospital. She later pleaded guilty but was found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect and was diagnosed with schizophrenia from which her father also suffers. Weir was sentenced to 25 years to life, an indeterminate sentence involving at least three years locked confinement and involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institute, followed by communal supervision until age 37. Gazer was sentenced to the maximum 40 years to life, an indeterminate sentence involving at least three years locked confinement, in addition to involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institute until complete resolution of symptoms or until age 53, whichever may happen first. Followed by continued communal supervision, periodic reevaluations, and/or reinstitution and further treatment as needed, as required by the sentence imposed. In 2018, a Wisconsin judge sentenced Gazer to 40 years under a mental health facility's supervision. While Gazer will periodically have the opportunity to petition for her release from a mental health facility in the future, she will remain under institutional care for the duration of the sentence. During her trial, Gazer had been committed to the Winnebago Mental Health Institute and was the youngest patient there. In 2020, an appeals court rejected Gazer's petition to be retired as a juvenile. Her attorney, Matthew Pinnix, argued that she should have been charged with attempted second-degree intentional homicide rather than first degree and argued that Gazer gave statements to investigators before being read her Miranda rights. He has petitioned the state supreme court to review the ruling. We have come to the end of our December Creepmas episodes that have spilled over into January due to unforeseen circumstances. I would like to thank each and every one of you that have tuned in. To our regular listeners, thank you for joining me on this journey. To our new listeners, buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy ride. (laughs) As Beauty Unlocked continues to grow, I'll be taking the month of January off to plan, make changes, and prepare for the rest of the year. I'm excited for this new chapter of our journey, but fear not, I'll continue to update you all via social media, and I'll release a bonus episode or two, so you won't forget me. Abandonment issues, anyone? With all that being said, I wish you all a happy, healthy, and very blessed new year, and you'll be hearing from me very, very soon. I'm Carissa Vickis, and this was Beauty Unlocks December, spilling onto January. Creepmas Episodes.
0: This morning, Jen woke up, made three breakfasts, did two loads of laundry,